you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. So today I'm really happy to welcome CEO and co-founder of Pocket Network, Michael O'Rourke. Um, Pocket Network is a decentralized infrastructure for developers who want to build peer-to-peer applications. So the idea is you could connect any app to any blockchain through infrastructure that's actually decentralized. And we're going to talk a lot about that later. And the idea being that that can allow for exponential growth of cryptocurrencies um, and a more accessible um, environment for people worldwide. More specifically, Pocket is a blockchain relay network for decentralized infrastructure and full node incentivization. Again, full node being the operative word in order to allow for sustainable levels of decentralization in public blockchain infrastructure. So the reason why I've got um, Michael on the show is to address the question, how decentralized is crypto really? Decentralization is obviously a, a measure that is important to regulators um, as well as uh, users and, and kind of crypto OGs. Um, and the argument is that at an infrastructure level, there's a lot of centralization happening uh, in nodes um, and also a reliance upon the cloud. And this became very topical recently um, where Pomp asked the debate or asked the question and started a debate, which was, could Jeff Bezos just switch off most of crypto and dApps via AWS, uh, their cloud hosting servers? And so effectively, he was proposing that most dApps are not censorship resistant. So I'm really looking forward to kind of covering a lot of these things. Welcome to the show, Michael. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jamie. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. So there's lots of exciting things happening over at Pocket. Um, you received your first investment from a DAO uh, managed through Ethereum, VentureDAO, um, which is interesting. We'll touch upon that a little bit later. Uh, you've subsidized relays on behalf of the MetaMask user base. You're now subsidizing decentralized Ethereum network access of my crypto users up to 1 million requests a day. Uh, I believe the last monthly stats, I don't know if that was for October, were six and a half million relays within the first week. Is that right? Or was that just even the first week of September? I couldn't figure that out. Yeah, uh, that was in uh, uh, September, actually. We've, we've, we've gone up quite a bit um, from, from since then. We're actually doing um, uh, about three to four million requests a day now going through the network. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's it's been a long time coming, and we're really happy to see uh, the system in action. So you know the the challenge with full node infrastructure is it, it's not sexy. It's often kind of overlooked, but as we're going to discuss today, it's incredibly critical to the mission of crypto. And so you know, I really want to uh, navigate that with you. Go go deep into it to help people understand why they should care. And we're going to you know talk about realistically how much. Will they, you know, should they care um, as as crypto scales and things like uh, DeFi scale? So 
to summarize your origin story as, as best as I can, again, feel free to elaborate if I get something wrong. You studied at uh, University of South Florida, graduating in 2015, a bachelor's in uh, international studies. You actually did a, became a loan analyst at Suncoast Credit Union and in 2013 to 14. And then you became effectively a lead developer from 14 to 17, primarily in uh, iOS. So in April 2017, you co-founded Pocket Network. Um, so what made the leap from doing kind of app development, mobile app development, into creating your first Web3 startup? And I guess caring about the the mission that now motivates you to kind of allow for this full node infrastructure to exist. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, you know, me personally, I've, I've been in Bitcoin uh, since 2013. So I've been interested in the crypto space for, for quite some time. And um, uh, I actually had remembered seeing Vitalik uh, uh, present Ethereum uh, at the uh, Miami Bitcoin conference in, in 2014. And remembering thinking that this was, um, uh, vaporware, and and that uh, you know you, you know Bitcoin was 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 everything at the time. Um, fast forward to 2016, me and my co-founders, who also worked at this startup, um, started playing around with smart contracts. Um, it was right after the DAO hack happened. Um, I remember that kind of grabbed our attention, and uh, we started playing around with Solidity ourselves. And uh, near the end of that year, um, used a service that we're all very familiar with called Infura and uh, really kind of saw the benefits and the importance of, of what they were offering as, as an API to, to, for us to be able to, to kind of experiment and build applications on Ethereum. And, and that's kinda, uh, that, that was kind of the seed of the idea. Um, uh, it's always been a belief and, and a thesis of ours that we believe there's going to be um, hundreds, if not thousands of, of, of independent blockchains in the future. And uh, 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 behind Pocket, you know, it's really important to see the this infrastructure exist behind uh, these these cryptocurrencies. Um, you know, all all of them need this kind of service, this infrastructure service. So that kind of seeded the idea of of okay, how do we build a protocol that can provide infrastructure for developers? And uh, the the substrate that we ended up on was incentivizing people to run full nodes. Uh, and in Pocket's case, um, we we are incentivizing through a very specific function of providing RPC access to uh, blockchain developers. And could you explain RPC for, for the listeners? So an, an RPC is the set of functions that uh, you want to be able to call. Um, so when you get your balance, when you uh, wanna see the state of a smart contract, you'll effectively call an Ethereum full node. You'll send a request to an Ethereum full node, for example, one's called eth call, eth underscore call or um, F, uh, you know, get transactions, um, or F get balance, or something along those lines. Um, uh, that's kind of a set of functions that's made available by an Ethereum full node. Uh, so if you're running, if you're familiar with Geth, for example, uh, every Geth node has a full, uh, uh, or has, has the open RPC, and Pocket just exposes uh, uh, that full RPC through, through the protocol. Got you. So the argument is that developers have been forced to rely on centralized infrastructures to connect to blockchains to date, um, resulting in rising prices, limited access, and the unreliability that comes with centralization and presumably um, some security risks as well. And the, uh, you know, I've seen you make a fairly balanced argument that, you know, cloud itself, like, you know, reliance upon AWS 
it's not inherently bad, but that you you think there needs to be a kind of more balanced mix of, of multi-cloud. Um, but you also propose that this kind of era of self-hosting by hobbyists and, and DAP developers is coming to an end. Um, and that rightly so, most developers just want to focus on building their businesses um, and, and want some kind of more hosted solutions. Um, as well as the growing complexity of, of running a node, be that evolving technology stacks, governance, security, and most importantly, lack of incentive to do it. Um, and I've seen you speak very eloquently about the history of node infrastructure and in particular full nodes um, from you know the, the past, this kind of hobbyist era to this centralized present. I think it'd be great context for the listeners for you to give us a summary of that that journey. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important to understand uh, really where Pocket is coming from in that context. Um, and, and I think you have to go back all the way back to to the very beginnings of, of Bitcoin. I would say in, in one line, that's a famous, uh, it's a pretty well-known meme within the Bitcoin community. And it's it's don't trust, verify, uh, uh, where, where you know you run your own Bitcoin full node, you can verify all the transactions um, you can verify your own balance, right, by, by syncing your own node to the network without having to trust anyone else to, to, to give you, you know, your Bitcoin balance. And as time went on, uh, we started to see a trade-off occur. And, and I actually think that um, Coinbase was one of the first, you know, mainstream applications to, to really take this trade-off and, and run with it. And that was when Coinbase was founded, um, uh, they made the explicit trade-off in, hey, we are going to run your Bitcoin full nodes for you. And provide you uh, your balance, uh, and, and be able to send you your balance. And and that trade-off there is is effectively a Web two paradigm, where you know you have the application, the business runs our servers, and in crypto's case, um, these servers and databases are all open source. So as a result, we've seen a strong consolidation in just a few companies running most of the infrastructure for the industry, because as you said, developers would much rather focus on their applications than, than building this infrastructure. And as time has gone on, as uh, the Bitcoin and Ethereum clients have gotten uh, larger, more unwieldy, um, that, that is an even uh, stronger disincentive for developers and, and other applications to run their own infrastructure, uh, particularly when, when you know, frankly, these, these blockchain clients are more optimized for you know, resiliency in these peer-to-peer -peer networks and not you know, speed in, in querying data. Right, specifically. Um, so, so as a result, um, it, it's really become a specialized thing to to really host these full nodes, so that applications can be built on them. So, what we have today, as a result, is is kind of this uh, uh, these decentralized networks where you know at the consensus and base layers, they're very censorship resistant. But we're seeing a kind of a bottleneck effect where 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 a lot of this data is being sent to uh, just a couple infrastructure providers, which are then hosted. On, on the cloud. So, so you've actually got a couple hops that, you know, you've got these, these, these full nodes that are not, you know, you know, it's not like I can, you know, you know we don't have optimized uh, databases here with, with these crypto full nodes. And you've got kind of a, a, a very large set of, of, of expensive infrastructure that you need to run to be able to host applications at scale. So as a result, we've, we've got this kind of web two paradigm uh, on top of this uh, new web three uh, vision that we all, that we all very strongly believe in. And so um, maybe we could go into some of the constituent parts of a pocket and how what 
Pocket does is, is different. Um, so I know that it's not just Ethereum. You know, you currently support uh, Algorand, Matic, and Solana. Um, and you, you kind of highlight that it's not only just the kind of technical complexity, but also considerations around governance. And so as networks are rolling out more complex forms of governance, presumably there's a, a degree of centralization in, in that um, as well, in terms of how nodes are operated. But it'd be great to understand a little bit about Pocket, its constituent parts, and then you know specifically how, how you manage considerations around centralization of governance as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so Pocket, taking a step back, Pocket is, is its own blockchain. Um, uh, it's built on the Tendermint consensus engine, and we've, we've um, forked the, the Cosmos SDK into, into an architecture that, that suits Pocket. Um, so, so fundamentally, it's a two-sided marketplace. Um, we have developers who need this RPC access for their applications at scale. And instead of paying a monthly fee to uh, a provider that is running on, on some cloud infrastructure, um, a developer would instead buy our native cryptocurrency, stake it once, and that gets some locked in amount of throughput. Um, and, and what the protocol does is coordinate people running full nodes all around the world, matching them with uh, the users of, of that developer's application. So that's the other side of the marketplace, the supply side of the marketplace where um, uh, anyone running a full node with the requisite stake uh, uh, to participate in the network, because that, of course, keeps them honest um, in pocket. If you um, lie about the amount of relays or, or if you have inconsistent data, um, you're subject to get slashed by the protocol. So, so that's the other side of the network. And uh, effectively, you've got this virtuous cycle between uh, developers and, and people running node providers uh, or people uh, acting as node providers for, for the network. And uh, touching on, on the governance of Pocket, um, we, we've thought and designed this a bit differently than, than, than most, uh, uh, I think, the most protocols that you're seeing today. Um, uh, we kind of see this as, frankly, we've, see, we've seen Pocket more of a you know, designing kind of a, a digital jurisdiction. Um, so instead of, uh, of having uh, you know, people with the highest amount of tokens having stronger votes, um, we've designed a more permissive system where you know if you're part of this digital jurisdiction that sits on top of the real world that very much interacts with the real world, um, as long as you can prove um, uh, you know your your buy-in uh, in, in terms of uh, knowledge or or contribution to the network, um, you're more much more likely to, to have a vote in, in the system. Um, so we don't really uh, and it doesn't it's not dependent on how much pocket you own. It's really dependent on on on, on frankly your knowledge of the system. Uh, uh, in this in this capacity, which which I'd be happy to dive into uh, uh, a little bit later as well, but but as a result, you know we've we've made sure to design a system that has checks and balances, uh, uh, where 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 you know no one party uh, between developers and nodes uh, has too much power. Understood, and I understand that there's um, specifically two relay mechanisms that that form the kind of foundations for Pocket. Uh, two relay mechanisms. So developers just access the network and, and uh, uh, in this case, just request data. So, so it's either reading or writing data from the network. And uh, in, in Pocket's case, and in, frankly, most uh, decentralized applications, um, about 99% of, of requests are reads, uh, whereas 1% you know, or less are, are these writes. And uh, fundamentally, what happens is um, I'm actually, as a developer, I'm actually querying data from five nodes at one time. 
And as a result, um, I can then cross-check that information if one node uh, uh, you know, answers uh, with, 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 with the number four, let's say I'm asking for a balance, and uh, four other nodes answer with uh, the number 10, uh, well, that one node who uh, responded with an inconsistent answer is subject to be slashed by, by the protocol. So that's kind of how we're able to keep the integrity of the data uh, that, 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 that developers and applications are requesting. And so, you know, obviously you're, you're kind of very close to effectively the, the traffic, what's being used and, and where, especially in the context of this, you know, the fact that you're blockchain agnostic. So, and you mentioned earlier, this belief in this multi-blockchain universe, effectively, I guess, a, a Web3 stack of specialist um, protocols. How are you seeing that stack evolve in terms of usage and, and traffic? And, um, you know, do you think that there will be a, a winner takes all? Or do you think that there's going to be you know, specialist protocols for particular functions within this Web3 stack? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I definitely see this uh, uh, space evolving in a way where um, uh, we, I think we will, we'll start to see much more specialist protocols uh, solving uh, very specific problems. Um, I, I think there's a lot of advantages to to this, and and right now what I what I'm seeing is is almost like a like almost a race uh, in terms of cost. So so I'll give you an example here. Um, uh, for us, it was much more cost efficient as a protocol. Um, uh, to, 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 to design Pocket as its own blockchain. Um, it originally was actually a set of smart contracts on Ethereum. And unfortunately, uh, due to the gas costs and, and, and so on and so forth, um, uh, it made much more sense to be, you know, quote unquote, closer to the metal in terms of, of, of the granularity in which we could design, you know, things like the rewards um, uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, I think there's opportunity for various types of protocols to get large enough network effects on existing generalized smart contract platforms. And as block space becomes more fungible, uh, particularly with all these other, you know, general smart co contract platforms, um, I, I could definitely see that being likely. That said, when you're dealing with network effects, uh, example, Ethereum, uh, and you have a an additive protocol like Pocket that's not necessarily built on Ethereum, but fundamentally helps the protocol, um, I think we can start to see, we will start to see a constellation of various protocols that, that, that frankly do this, right? Um, you know, for example, you know, at least in the infrastructure side, right? You know, there's two really interesting protocols, in my opinion, the graph and another protocol called Marlin Network, which are uh, uh, infrastructure protocols that are solving, you know, very different problems in pocket, right? Uh, that help, you know, for example, uh, uh, make data uh, uh, easier to read, or, or in Marlin's in Marlin's case, um, uh, uh, improve the, the the networking between between nodes on these decentralized protocols. So, um, I, I definitely, particularly with the with the uh, explosion of parachains that we're seeing and, and Cosmos based uh, blockchains like Pocket, um, I, I think there's going to be a much larger impact than 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 we're currently seeing right now. And so, why was it that you chose Cosmos specifically? Obviously, you know, there's the the big debate at the moment is you know, whether you go with Cosmos or, or Polkadot, was it a timing thing or were there kind of some specific technical or governance considerations that were important for you? Yeah, I think um, uh, definitely some of it was timing. Um, at the time when we began building Pocket Core, uh, Cosmos was uh, uh, already live and, and having seen uh, uh, their consensus engine in action and the way that they designed Cosmos SDK, 
it was a pretty good fit for us. Um, uh, but uh, there are some other considerations, like for example, just something as simple as uh, Cosmos being built in Go um, as opposed to Rust in in uh, for 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 Polkadot. Um, uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know even you know thinking about who's building on it, who you know how, who who knows Go versus Rust and and, and things like that. Um, but for us, the most important impact was the fact that we saw the Tendermint consensus in action and, and working, right? Which gave, gave us confidence in, in, in building on, on Tendermint um, uh, in, in that respect. Um, you know, another consideration was, you know, we feel like Pocket can have an impact where uh, uh, we can support our own security uh, uh, as, as a protocol. Um, so, so while we could have done a parachain uh, just completely independently, uh, without part of the kind of shared security model, um, uh, that wasn't super clear to us at the time. So, so we uh, just opted to to go with the Tendermint. Recently, you were—I don't know—was it a grant or was it investment that was received from from VentureDAO? So that's a decentralized autonomous organization that effectively makes investments and grants, or is it just investments? Yeah, it was an investment. Um, they they purchased uh, uh, tokens uh, as as investors. Um, and uh, what's really interesting about Venture DAO is they are one of the founding members of the Pocket DAO. So we've got a DAO um, effectively representing a vote in in the Pocket DAO as as a founding um, entity, which is, uh, in my opinion, really cool and really exciting. And I think we're going to start to see more of that in this space as well. Was that they, they bought the token in market, or was that in a kind of a structured round? Yeah, so we began our public sale um, a couple months before we launched Mainnet. So, so um, uh, at this point, we're we're you know we're, we're able to sell to anyone, but they uh, uh, specifically purchased Pocket as a part of the um, uh, sale before we reached Mainnet. So that means that they have a genesis allocation, and um, uh, uh, alongside you know the other previous SAF purchasers uh, before we launched mainnet as well. Interesting. So there is a DAO where one of the participants is another DAO, which um, I think sp speaks to, um, and, and that's going to be really interesting to see how, how that plays out. So could you tell us a little bit more about how Pocket DAO works and, you know, did you, did you design for kind of an initial level of how did you design for centralization or decentralization and in, in the context of being an evolving business in an evolving market? Yeah, yeah, no, great question. So, so it's important to note that that Pocket, um, so there's three uh, real aspects of Pocket that can be governed first off. So, so uh, the first are, is, is the economic policy. Um, so uh, one interesting thing about Cosmos and Tendermint is um, it's pretty easy to heavily parameterize uh, uh, the protocol. Um, so what that means is uh, uh, people can submit transactions to adjust the uh, monetary policy of the protocol or, or some other parameters. For example, you know the staking amount, how long people need to stake for, um, uh, you know the inflation. Really, really, just about anything uh, in, in the protocol is, is parameterized. So, so that's the first piece that the uh, the DAO governs. Um, the second piece is the treasury. So, so very much uh, really inspired from other. Protocols like like Dash, for example, 10% um, of all the inflation um, goes to an on-chain treasury that is that is um, governed by the, the the Pocket DAO, and that's important, which I'll note in a minute um, uh, why, but uh, or how that's managed. But um, that's the second piece is is the treasury, and the third piece is of course um, uh, protocol upgrades. 
Um, and I want to I want to put protocol upgrades in a different bucket because um, uh, the first two uh, don't need um, uh, permission from the nodes to uh, uh, make changes. And and when I talked about checks and balances, um, I actually think it's a really important distinction in the context of pocket network because um, we've seen a history of of you know the mining nodes or the full nodes, um, you know from proof of work to proof of stake chains, um, uh, uh, you know potentially you know. Uh, uh, holding hostage the protocol uh, when 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 potentially the, the greater uh, population wants wants needs you know wants a change made. So um, I, I want to highlight those those two uh, or that distinction. Um, but with protocol upgrades, right, the DAO may 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 make a vote, which is of course you know comprised of nodes and developers. Um, but you also need a second um, approval there from the actual nodes to upgrade their software, right? So a proposal might go through. But nodes also need to, you know, upgrade uh, uh, their pocket software, you know, in the in the case of a of a protocol upgrade. So, um, those are the three main ways in which uh, in which pocket can be governed uh, by the DAO, and uh, uh, particularly on the parameterization of the protocol, uh, I want to put in here. I want to throw in the the, the pocket foundation uh, as as an important entity here because um, the 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 pocket foundation is is unique in the space. Because it's a Cayman entity, there's three directors. Um, myself is one of them, with with two others, um, uh, completely independent of, of Pocket Network Inc. as as a bootstrapping mechanism. And what's interesting about the foundation is that we are um, completely uh, uh, the, the DAO can actually hire and fire the directors and the supervisors of the foundation. And this is embedded in the uh, creation documents in the Cayman entity. So so we are subject to to um, Frankly, the Cayman courts. If the DAO makes a decision, you know, if the DAO wants to kick me out, uh, they certainly can uh, as 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 a foundation director, um, and that's important because this is a a, a kind of um, middle ground for us uh, in terms of having these checks and balances and uh, being able to to move forward when uh, certain technology is there to be able to do, uh, for example, parameter trade changes uh, autonomously. Um, so right now, when the DAO makes a decision in uh, uh, for example, we want to change um, some parameter about nodes. Um, the DAO makes a decision, and then it's it's the it's the foundation's job to go ahead and actually change that parameter on chain. Um, uh, so so we've got a nice kind of ecosystem here of three parties uh, uh, that uh, you know uh, keep each other in check in this capacity. So so um, and in terms of how people can participate in the DAO, um, in the first phase uh, we had our founding members. We had five members. Um, since then, we've we've championed in um, three new members, and this is very much inspired from the Venture DAO. Um, but in the future, um, which we're actually launching this um, uh, in the next couple of weeks, um, we are are uh, also learning from from Meta Cartel. You can definitely see their influence here. But we've uh, created a a game, an anti-civil game, where as participants, um, you know, whether you're a developer or node, mm -hmm. go through your normal process of processes of of interacting with the network. We have a set of benchmarks and, um, uh, frankly, goals that you hit that um, help that. And, and once you reach a certain uh, uh, level in this game, you then automatically can claim a vote in the DAO. Um, and that's really important for us because what this does is allow for anyone to participate and ensures that those who do have those who do have votes um, uh, are, are, you know, deeply bought into the protocol and understand what is, uh, uh, you know, what, what they're voting on, right? So, so. Um, for us, it's really exciting, um, and it's something that um, we're actually super excited to launch in the next couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I mean, that's really fascinating to hear the process of evolving governance and kind of overlaying um, different games to uh, better coordinate or incentivize certain behaviors. And I'm I'm personally very interested in how NFTs begin to to play a, a role in um, in uh, kind of loyalty and, and gamification on on top of governance. Um, so where does this all, all play out? So let's say you know what what does success look like for Pocket in terms of its impact on on the industry, and then I guess as a consequence to that. Um, its wider impact on society. What's the the big vision? Yeah, yeah. I'll tackle those are those are two great great questions. I'll, I'll tackle the first one initially. So so uh, I think we're already seeing so this thesis of uh, many chains come to fruition, and I say that because you know uh, we're seeing so many of these parachains get launched um, alongside these cosmos uh, independent chains, and on top of that, we're seeing um, sharded. Kind of architectures, um, for example, scale or ETH2, where uh, you know if you're a scale developer, you're actually building on a completely independent, you know, layer two chain, right? And and how is that data going? You know, who's going to run the nodes for that, right? Um, that's a really important piece, and and there could potentially be hundreds or thousands of these various sharded, you know, layer two chains, right? So as a result, I see Pocket providing the the base infrastructure for all of these protocols. Um, uh, providing opportunity for, frankly, anyone to come in, and this is kind of goes to this larger impact. Um, frankly, learn to be uh, a DevOps <laughs> expert. Um, the amount of people who have come into Pocket um, with very little DevOps experience and that have, you know, frankly, leveled up into becoming pros at this point um, is is incredible. And uh, you know, a part of that comes with tooling um, and the difficulty in which uh, people can participate in networks like Pocket. Um, previously. Uh, before pocket in my opinion the secret sauce of these in, you know infrastructure companies you know has always been kept closed source um and and now there's a collective incentive to improve this tooling um uh, uh, as a whole and, and and as a network and as an industry and I, I think with protocols like pocket we are are going to see a, a a massive investment in these you know infrastructure legos if you will where people can you know uh, pick and choose the tooling that they want based on the scale that they're you know able or willing to run and um uh, uh, effectively see a much for proliferation of more people running infrastructure um, because in the end it's the reason uh, not enough people do it or not enough people are able to is because it's just frankly difficult and and as um, these incentives start to kick in uh, we're going to see a lot more investment and and research and and tooling uh, to help improve this and, and frankly i think that's a big reason why we see some of this, you know, centralization today in infrastructure, just because, you know, that, that the incentive hasn't been there previously to improve it uh, for for just anyone to be able to use it. Michael, it's been great having you on the show. Um, it's a really important mission, and I wish you all the success um, with Pocket. It's going to be interesting to to watch, um, certainly how the network evolves and the games play out from a, a governance perspective. So, um, good luck and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jamie. It was a pleasure. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.